Blog Talk Radio. Here on May 6th, May 6th, 2015. Who can believe it's May? I got to tell you, it was like 25 below here just a little while ago. But let's leave that in the past. Yesterday, the more recent past, yesterday I heard that Mr. Scrubby died. Mr. Scrubby. He was Lori Rudiman's cat, and I really liked him. In fact, I always considered Mr. Scrubby my friend. He had his own Twitter account and I don't know if he was on Facebook, but I liked his name, and I think animals are a, a breath of fresh air in the recruitosphere, just like at old folks' homes. They have cats and dogs walking around to add a little life. People aren't that lively, so the, the puppies and stuff, they, they make you happy. So when I first read about him having died yesterday, I felt pretty bad. That was my immediate reaction. But you know what? I don't think... I should feel bad, and I'm going to tell you why. Mr. Scrubby lived a wonderful life with an HR lady, a smart aleck HR lady, who pampered him. She doesn't pamper me, but she pampered him, and now he's gone, okay? But I'm pretty sure that he doesn't feel bad. He's not suffering. He's not crying that he missed out on something. He just doesn't exist anymore except in our memories, and that's significant to us, but not to him, okay? I think... It's very important to realize that when someone dies, they are not suffering, they don't feel lonely, like they're missing out on anything. Nothing bad is happening in their lives. As regards to Scrubby again, I don't think any dog is chasing them. I don't think any birds are teasing them, you know, by walking back and forth along the window ledge when he's stuck inside looking out. No, I don't think that's happening. Some people might say, that Scrubby is in heaven looking down on us. But look, if heaven exists, I don't think it was planned to be a place for voyeurs to invade my privacy. You know what I mean? And my point is that we naturally don't want to die. I admit it. I don't want to die right now. But dying really isn't that bad. This might sound crazy, but compare it to making cold calls. Lots of people are afraid to make cold calls they can't stand the thought but in reality they're not that bad the badness is just an illusion and you can think yourself past that illusion by using common sense in a determined fashion i must admit and if you can get rid of your natural fear of death which is also based on the idea that it's something awful or horrific you're going to be much happier. And you know what? You'll be a better recruiter, too, because not much is going to scare you. Certainly no uh, gatekeeper or cranky HR person or stupid client. No. And you know how I know that? Because I die on this show every single week. Jerry, Jerry, (laughs) what do they call this death trap? The recruiting animal
Thank you, Jer. Jerry's not here. <laughs> I rolled the tape. He's very busy. And you know what? I didn't even prepare a song. I was telling the, the guest, last week I was so tired when the show started, but I felt I had to sing a song. So we sang a song, and my heart wasn't in it. I think that just kind of turned me off of singing for a little while. But I'll be back. <laughs> I've got I'll be song. back. I've got the song, Animal. What is it? What is How it? How much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> it's a pussycat we're talking about. But I'll sing that song if you really want to. I really want to, because I like Do having you... dogs in the office. Okay, so you lead. Go ahead. How much is much that doggy dog in, the in the window? The one with the waggly tail. tail. How much, How is, much that is that doggy in the window? In the window? I do hope that doggy's, doggies for, sale. for sale. Thank you, Dave! David Lavoie! <laughs> David Lavoie. Okay, you told me it's really Lavoie. So I'll call you Lavoie. It is okay? Lavoie. I like it. David Lavoie. Let's spell it, though, for everybody. L-A-V-O... No, I-O-E? O-I-E. You had it right the first time. L-A-V-O-I-E. David Lavoie in Tam- Tampa, Florida. Right? And Warm, on Twitter, sunny Tampa, Florida. Yeah, it's nice and sunny here, too. It's not too hot, though. Okay, and so your Twitter name is David Lavoie13. Do you want to tell us the secret of 813? Is that your address? That's the area code. Okay, that's your area I'm code. I'm so creative. <laughs> and, and you didn't change your Twitter name yet for your company. Your company's called Resource Staffing, and uh, the Twitter name is RS, what is it? R S G S I. You know what? I don't even know. That's how terrible it is. R S C E staffing. You know, I told you to change it before. Look how bad it is, and I've I've used it a million times already. Marketing person, please change that name. I'll help you. I'll help you for free, and I am an expert. I'm the king of Twitter names. Okay. Uh, I love it. Okay, and so let's introduce you. Uh, you're the CEO of a, a small independent shop. Is that fair? How many people do you have in there? Do you want to tell us? Six. Okay. Six people, and uh, you're primarily an IT recruiting firm, but not exclusively. You've got some accounting happening there as well. Am I right? Correct. It's about okay. 80% IT, finance, accounting takes the rest. Okay. I can't remember if it's uh, contract work or permanent jobs or a mix of both. It's a mix of both. Okay, so so if I ask you questions about contract or perm, you can handle both of those. Am I right? I, I can. Okay. Now, you told us last time that you've been in this business for 11 years, and not, you said not a single year replicates itself. I don't know what you meant by that. Isn't it really the same thing over and over again? I, I mean, the... the uh... The functional piece, yes, but what you're dealing with is definitely always changing. Candidate market, client market, skill set requirements, all those things make it very fun. Okay, so you have no examples, of course, of what you meant by that, right? Just say, no, I don't. I just talked off the top of my head. There's no substance to what I said. Is that okay? (laughs) I'll move on. How Um, much is that in the window? Go ahead. What kind of phone do you use? What kind of phone do you use? I'm curious. What kind of phone do you use? I use a, a Polycom 8100. Something. Does that sound good? 
got HD voice no, no, right I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just curious what kind of phone you use for business. I, that's a really of interest to me. And uh, I saw Steve Levy talking about it on Facebook this week, so I just thought I'd ask you, is there something good about that phone? You know what? Um, to be honest with you, uh, we've used the same carrier for many years, and we switched to these new high-def voice polycom phones, and I definitely can tell the difference in clarity, um, as, as do our, our recipients on the other end. So it's, okay. uh, it's a very, very nice upgrade that we've, we've taken on. Okay, and, and the headset, is that, is that the same brand, or is there... Do you use a headset? No, actually, it's the um, it's not it's the it's the new AT and T headset, which I like much better than the old Polycom headsets. Okay, and any uh, you want to tell us how much they cost? I'm just curious. I I think this is really this, important stuff for us to know. No, sure, yeah. Um, you know what? This, this, I think this one costs about a buck twenty, where your Polycom costs two hundred bucks, and I've had both. I like the AT and T um, unit much better. Uh huh. And is it wireless or is it uh, wired? It is wireless. Oh yeah, and, and and it's it's good even though it's wireless. Isn't that it interesting? Is. Like I mean, I, I can go downstairs two floors and still have near hundred percent clarity. Okay, great. Anybody else want to comment on that while uh, while I'm talking about it? I think it's a valid topic for recruiters. I'm opening up everybody's lines. Anybody kind want of to talk about? Yeah, phone technology. Okay, I know you guys aren't interested. I thought I'd give you a chance. Okay. Okay. No, okay. I use a Cisco. IP phone and a Jabra Pro headset. And you like it? Anybody? You like it, Mike? Michael Cox? Let me ask you. Do you like it? It sounds okay. Yeah, sounds okay to me. I can hear everybody just fine. Okay. So, Dave, what's the difference? This is just something that crossed my mind. I wonder if anybody else thinks about it. I I was reading, um, there was a book written last year about Marissa Meyer, the CEO of Yahoo. And before the guy actually finished the book, he wrote a really long article about uh, about her. And, uh, you know, they talked about the hiring process when she uh, was interviewing for Yahoo. And there was a recruiter involved. And all I could tell from the uh, article was that he arranged for the buses and the hush-hush uh, meetings, you know, between the board and, and Marissa. I really couldn't figure out what he did. I mean, so I'm wondering, what's the difference between senior and junior searches? Could you recruit a Marissa Meyer or somebody for that kind of role? Could I, I? You know, my team has. My team has, has recruited very high-level CEOs in the past, and those were kind of one-offs. Um, and many of them had to have been hush-hush. And even most recently, our last quarter, we were dealing with a, a venture capitalist firm up in the Midwest who had this hush-hush, hey, listen, we need to replace somebody, the CEO. We found that person. Um, I, 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 it, it was simpler than we thought because it was very clear in terms of what they were looking for. Yeah, uh, you're kind of vague, maybe. Uh, but Marissa Meyer, that's a real glory job. It's a big, big job. Was you, what kind of money are we talking about with this CEO role that you were working on? Can you tell us? For this one, it was two fifty plus a, a huge bonus and an additional compensation package. So not a Melissa, Meyer, not not a Yahoo type of gig, <laughs> uh-huh. but um, uh-huh. a company that certainly plans to go public very quickly. Okay. If you've never placed a person in that role before, but you're an experienced person placing IT programmers, could you do that without any problem? I think so. I think so. I think uh, we've done this enough. Um, You know, people are people, and it's an interesting thing. I think 
the key to successful recruiting, regardless of what the skill set is, is understanding business. So if you understand business, if your recruiting staff understands business, you can dot I's, cross T's, and, and make sense of all of it. What do you mean by that, understand business? I, I mean, uh, business in general. How does business work? Um, you, you know, we take a consultative approach versus just, you know, the typical buzzwords and a job description and plugging some things into the job boards, et cetera. You, 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 yeah, you know what? You know, really you're not saying discover. anything. Okay. I, I'm interested in the fact that you could usually place guys for maybe 75000 and move up to a two fifty plus huge bonus position without any difficulty. Uh, but you're not telling us much about, you know, what you had to know. Sounds like anybody else want to comment on this? I'm ready to move on unless you've got something to add. It's a good question. You're not answering it well, okay? Anybody want to talk about it? answering it very well. I think, I think it just comes down to very simplistic understanding of, of, of discovery and understanding what your client is looking for, intangible and tangible skills. Okay. You know what? I once had a job uh, order, and the, the, the client says, I want someone who's a good businessman. Wouldn't define what he or she meant, okay? Uh, sure. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing right now. So I, I, I'll move on because neither of us can can define what we're talking about. So you just you're just saying it doesn't matter what the job is. Take the job order, ask them what they want, make a list of people, and go around asking them if they have it. Is that what you're saying? Essentially, yes. Uh huh. I try and to give it a no- little more depth, and it's hard to articulate, but yes. There was no credibility issue when you got on the phone with people. They never said, I never heard of you before, recruiting CEOs. You've never called me before. That wasn't an issue, right? It was not, and it was only really because our successful placements in our, our core skill set, they were just so impressed with our quick turnaround, our understanding and listening to what they were asking for versus the other two or three firms they were working with that were delivering crap. Um, they just did, they, when we gained trust with them. They asked us if we could do it. We said yes, and we delivered Okay. Okay. What about a client that asks dumb questions? What would you do, uh, you know, if you sent out a candidate and they first question they asked? And I got this from a friend of mine. I don't. I don't know if he wants me to say, so I won't mention his name. The first question they they asked him, you know, what would you do if you won a billion dollars? So the candidate thinks this is a ridiculous question because it's irrelevant and uh, refuses to answer, and then. The company, your client gets back to you and says, I'm not interested in him. He doesn't fit into the culture. He won't play ball. Because he's not interested in answering the question of what would he do with a billion dollars? Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good question. I'm, you got me stumped, animal. I, I don't see Anybody what else? the relevance necessarily Anybody would be. Anybody else want to answer that? What will you do if you send out your, your candidate and the guy asks him a stupid question like that? candidate said, I'm not going to answer that. It's, it doesn't mean anything. Anybody? No. Okay. I think that's a good. I think that's a good question from me. I'm not getting a discussion about it, but it's fair. Stupid question. Okay. And you know, can you reject candidates for stu- who are smart enough to reject stupid questions, or maybe the candidate's just too dumb to play along? Here's another question: Does every job contain something special? I don't think so. But I was reading on LinkedIn this week a recruiting expert named Yogi Kumar. He said, when you cold call a candidate, you have to know what's special about the job that you're flogging, okay? For instance, they've got a fast-growing team. They're working with a, a, a new emerging technology or, uh, you know, something like that. I, I don't think most jobs 
have anything special. Do you do you want to comment on that? You know, I I think um, my recruiters beat me down for that special, those couple of buzz bullets to share with candidates. Um, I think those things are very important to many candidates. Is it a growing company? Is it an interesting industry? Are they using cutting-edge technologies? Um, do they have a good reputation in the market? Do they have a bad reputation? I mean, I think a lot of those things do really play a huge part beyond just the skill set requirements. Yeah. And then, okay, I mean, like, this, is it special, or is it just another job with another company where they're going to pay a little more? And maybe it'll be a move up for you in particular. Uh, but there's nothing special about the job. It might be a move, a good move for you as a candidate, but it's just a, you know, a draftsman job or a design job. There's something in relationship to you, but there's nothing special about it. Before you know the candidate, it's hard to sell. It's just something special. There's something special here. Okay. Well, you, you have to know the candidate first before you can sell it. And and yeah, know that every job, the overwhelming majority of the jobs are are boring, but for the right person, it's going to be something that is attractive. And you also have to make it very unattractive for the wrong person. Okay, Agreed. Well, and, and you know, it's an interesting thing. It, 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 I'll, I'll use uh, a, a, just a developer as a, an example. So you'll have your shops that are in maintenance mode that are not using the latest and greatest, but you have your people that are comfortable sitting there in a corner in a dark light just maintaining product or, or code development, etc. The, there's a group of, of developers out there, that, and it's an emerging thing I see, that want nothing to do with the company that's not staying on the cutting edge, is not latest and greatest, and doesn't have maybe a new idea that they could really sink their teeth into because they not just want to be a developer, but they are interested in what this company is going to be doing or does currently. So it, it, it is it is knowing your candidates, and it's knowing who is, is the right fit, who isn't the right fit, what their desires are. It, okay. it, the culture got to fit. Oh, culture, we'll come back to that in a minute. Mike Cox. Mike Cox. Yeah, 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 right here. Okay. When, when you say that you have to make it sound awful to the candidates you don't want, what are you talking about? Well, in in either your job posting or in your conversations or if you're at a recruiting event, your presentations, um, you have to talk about maybe the the the, the stuff that isn't uh, going to be fun or even of interest to. Give the me an example. You don't talk I, have, to. I have an example. I got in an sales example. recruitment, so I'm usually recruiting for hunters, and a lot of people just want to be farmers. They just want to. You know, be assigned the accounts and and grow those accounts incrementally, and and maybe focus on account penetration or developing relationships. And if that's what you're looking for, then that's what you pitch. Um, but if if you're looking for somebody that is going to be going out and bringing in new accounts that we've never spoken to before, uh, or have never worked with our organization, that's a totally different thing. And you don't want to waste your time. Yeah, Talking okay, you know what you manager. said? Uh, you know what attracted me to what you said? You said you have to no. turn off the wrong candidates, and you didn't tell me how you do that, okay? I'm so gonna give if, you you're not try, if, if you're trying to attract hunters, you're going to talk about cold calling and prospecting and things that maybe make – that makes the wrong candidate bristle and, and run okay. away. Uh-huh. So you're just telling them and, the – And you know, that's, that, that's actually a good point. One, one of our philosophies – 
once you've got the candidate hooked, play devil's advocate and try to talk them out of it. Well, why would you want to make this commute? Well, why would you want to make this this jump to from this organization to this other organization? Or why would you want to go from a large enterprise to a small startup um, once you've already got them interested? To get them to think about those things, and, and there's got to be a reasonable explanation for that candidate to get me to be convinced enough to send them over to my client. Um, so, so it is kind of playing the reversal on them once they've told you, yeah, 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 I'm interested. You know, I want a bunch of yes men or candidates saying, yeah, at the same eh, of course time, I'm interested because I want a job. A problem, uh, hold on, Dave. There's a problem there, too, because let's say you're doing real headhunting. You call somebody up who's happy at their job. They had no plans sure. on changing their job. You want to get them interested in taking a look at something different. So as soon as they say, okay, you know, I'm willing to take a look at it, you can't treat them like a criminal and say, why? Why do you want to? Why do you want to talk to me? I didn't want to talk to you. You called me out of the blue. Okay. <laughs> Touche. Good point. No, no, no. Really, you gotta. It's, it's, it's. You have to be sort of uh, subtle, or you know, have a have a light hand when you're grilling them. Yeah, I, I want to know what this, how this would appeal to you. But I think the words you're going to use are very important. You can't. It's not like they're applying for a job. They're not desperate. Uh, so I, I think you have to watch what you say. But I, I want to bounce something off you. There's a guy in England named Sean Windrum, and he posted an ad. Uh, this is how he said, a small managed service provider asked me to find people who wanted to learn and grow with the business, not just receive a salary. So he put an ad in the paper, and this is some of the stuff he put in it. He said, the technology is really modern. You probably don't know it very well. There could be a lot of learning. They'll expect you to get Microsoft and Cisco qualifications in your own time. On your own time is in capital letters. You will have to get out of your comfort zone. The other people in the team will be better than you. You will have to plan and execute IT infrastructure projects. It's a, finally a job uh, description. Uh, you may have to change the way you think. You will have to push yourself. It's a lot of work. What do you think of that job order, Dave? Or that job description for an ad? You know what? I, I think that's going to weed out the, the the wrong personality and attract the right personality because there are certainly people that are driven to. I mean, it's like golf. I suck at golf, but I play better when I play with people that are better than me. So that's my personality, and there are many out there that are like that that want to be surrounded by people that can improve them, increase their. So you career think that? Capacity. No, you think that's a good job ad? Is that what you're telling me? I say it weeds out the. Uh, the, the, yes, yeah. it's a good yeah, job. I wouldn't say it's the greatest it's, job, ad, yes, it's, okay. but I think it helps weed out the crap. Yeah, there's I the love thing. that job, ad. Who's talking? Who said that, Mike? No. Who said Durbin. I love it? Durbin, Durbin okay. says he loves it. Give it the, okay, Durbin, I couldn't hear you. Okay, so the thing is, it's the difference is with what Michael Cox said. You want to weed out the bad ones. Yeah, you have to tell them what's involved in the job. But the thing is, this guy put it in a very aggressive, in-your-face kind of way. Like, if you don't like this, we don't want you. It's pretty clear the way he, he, he did it. Mike, you know what I'm talking about, Michael Cox? Yes. Do you like that job order? I mean, that job description for an ad? Absolutely, yeah. If you, you, if you know your job well enough, then you can get specific enough to where you are no longer weeding through the applicants that do not qualify okay so but the thing is i like his aggressive tone do you like it yes okay jim durbin what did you like i, I like telling your face it was because the person is going to you know you may get five people to respond but probably two or th three of those will actually be people you want to talk to 
rather uh-huh. than a thousand that send their names in, uh-huh. and you don't want to talk to more than two or three of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dave, Somebody that's going to be willing to take the punches and learn is yeah. is going to respond to that ad in a positive way. Somebody uh-huh. that can't handle what this what situation they're going to be running into, that's going to turn them off, and that's a great weed out. Okay, yeah, but when you so let's say they apply, how do you make sure that they you know they really mean it? Oh, I mean that's all part of the vetting process and detailed yeah, conversation. Yeah, what, what is it? Like, how do you do it? With them. You, you have to stay in that same character. Okay. That, that is a good point. You have to. This is what my client's looking for. This is what is unacceptable. Explain to me why this is of interest of you. Well, I guess you'd have to ask. You know, how have you stretched yourself in the past? to see if that's their habit for doing things like that. Yeah, I guess I mean, something like I, that. I don't, I don't know that you confront them that hard because you're still trying to sell them, but you're looking to see if they understand why you would write something like that. So it's, it's not a gimmick. It's, it, this is the actual job. I'm just trying – I have other jobs if you want them, but this is the actual job. Let's not waste your time. It, it's, it's not just to prove it. It's, okay, so what, what, what do you think of the job? Oh, you love the job description. Why? Have you experienced this in the past? Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's in the past. You have to have done the same thing. Dave, do people ever ask you to help their friends find work because they know you're a headhunter? Always. Constantly. And what do you say? I mean, this one guy was, one I guy was yes. complaining. <laughs> but what can you do for them? I mean, this guy says the pastor at his church always, if somebody needs a job, they send him to him. He can't help them. What do you say, what do, you say to you people who just send you their, their friends? I mean, I'm 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 pretty direct with people. I, I let them know that I'll take a look at their profile. I'll have a conversation with them. If I can help them, I can. If I can't, I'll try to redirect them or, or be candid with them. And, uh-huh. and that, that's that's it. Simple. Yeah, I can't help you. In other words, right? Can't help you. Or yeah, I can't. you actually say that. You say that. Well, mostly they you can't. I do. Okay. 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 Are you a millennial? I am. Okay. So I'm still reading Friend articles. Line, but yes. It's hard to believe. I'm still reading articles about how millennials are digital natives, and that's a plus in business, like because they use Twitter. Uh, I don't think that's a, a plus. Uh, do you notice anything about? I know it's an old question. Are you noticing anything about millennials that are, are an extra asset for business, and specifically this digital native business? I mean, it's like to me, it's like telling boomers that they're better than other people because they grew up with television. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think the skills are are attractive in terms of millennials. I think the attitude is a, a different thing. So it it's an interesting dynamic putting the two together. Huh? Well, did you say something? Did I not? No, I didn't say. It, it was an empty statement. Come on, you, you don't do this to me. No, okay. well, that's right. so if you're looking for the companies are all about social media today, right? I, I don't no. know half no. of what half does that of mean that they're all about social media. What does that mean? It, it, the presence is required to beat your competitors these days, mm-hmm. and the millennials are those that hold those skill sets. However, they yeah. also have that. In, okay. it, uh, you're, you're, you're placing a cost accountant or a controller because you told me you handle God. financial positions. You, you know what? A, I'm going to guess that most of them don't use Twitter. And if even if they do, you know, how's that an asset to that job? Can you tell me one way, controller? It, it, you 
got you got me stuck there. Controls are yeah, I know today, I do because so. you know because you were just blabbing. You didn't even know what you were talking about. Sorry. Okay. Here's a better question. Hold on. You've got a recruiter. I asked this last week or two weeks ago. You got a recruiter working for you who wants to go out on her own. She wants to work out of her own home. Maybe she's got a young kid. Sure. I don't know. Okay. So she's got some placements that she's made. The fees haven't come in for her yet. Are you going to pay her those fees when they come in and when the guarantee period is over? I, I, I don't see why I wouldn't. Well, the last guy, we had a guest on two weeks ago. He's a good guy. He said, no way he's going to pay her. If she leaves. Yeah, that's what I'm talking so about, if Mike. if she leaves, just yeah, leaves she's out. Gonna no, leave. Well, of course not. She's going to no, leave your company. Not. Absolutely not. Why not? not. She, she, she made the placement for you already. So why shouldn't she get her share, even if she's not with you anymore? Because I trained her and taught her how to do the business, oh. and, and now she's making placements. So th- that's my fee for have training you and you leaving me. What about all the other 50% or whatever you were taken from her for all her other placements? Didn't you get paid back already? I, I, I guess you could say that, sure. <laughs> Okay, is is this? I was shocked to find this out. Is this standard practice that if you leave, you don't get the money that's still coming into the company? Absolutely. For two uh, Fortune 500 staffing firms in the past, it's uh, very standard. Yes. Okay. 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 Look, let's say you're given a search, you bring in three candidates, and the um, company is so impressed, they decide they're going to hire two of them, not just one. Do you give them a, two bills or just one? Because you only did one search. Two bills, always. Really? Okay. Absolutely. What if they came back to you and said, "What if they said, Dave, come on, what are you? You're double dipping here. You did one search. You're, you're try, charging me for two searches." Uh, you, you know, say? I've never had that happen. But if that conversation ever came up, it would be, "We are that good that we brought this talent to you, if not for us." Where would you be? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that that would only be fair. Okay. okay. Anybody else think about it? You, you send three three candidates over, and not a single one gets hired. Though you feel that you've done great work, it kind of balances itself out. Okay. Okay. What kind of LinkedIn account do you have? Um, I have Premium. Which one is that? How much is that? Uh, I pay like seventy-five a month. It's the sales one. The recruiters have something a little bit different. I'm not sure what they're uh-huh. using exactly. Okay, but you don't get LinkedIn Recruiter, the real expensive one, eh? Not the recruiter, no. Uh huh. Okay, why Only not? Because we're we're um, I mean because we're local. Um, I think our our network building and our uh, we've spent fifty percent of our days on LinkedIn building our networks. So honestly, I mean we've we've done the trial run with LinkedIn Recruiter. And um, the value is certainly not there just because we're a local shop and we know the people. If we're a uh-huh. national firm, it might be a different story. Or if we're looking to expand, that might be a different situation. Yeah. If you think y- your photo is not that good looking, would it be okay to put a photo on LinkedIn of somebody who was better looking than you if you knew that you were never going to meet any of your clients or candidates? Uh, it's a borderline fraud to me. I don't know. I wouldn't do that myself. <laughs> I'd put a I'd put a cartoon up before I put somebody else's picture up. Yeah, cartoons aren't allowed, okay? They're not allowed. <laughs> okay. 
What about this? I just heard about this this week. If uh, maybe it's a, and it's a really standard old thing, but let's say you're reading a trade journal or something like that. You see that a manager has moved. You make a sales call to the manager in her new job. Then you call the person she replaced. You find out who that is. Then you call the person who replaced her, and you call the person who replaced the person who replaced her. You go through. So I'm calling it chain marketing. I don't know what it's called. Have you ever done anything like that? Always, always, always. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's a standard. Yeah, that's uh, part of the reason LinkedIn where stays do, open where do you all learn day that? long. Who taught you that? Who taught you that? Um, I'm talking to you. I there. mean, if we're, 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 that's that was day one. Is the first company I ever worked for, um, and I think it's always kind of lingered with every organization I've been with, and something that I try to preach in this organization here. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they, they, so, there's a there's a saying out there: eighty percent of your candidates turn into clients, and, and it's true if you maintain good contact with them and you're always staying up to date with what they've got going on. Um, I mean, communication is key, and knowing where they're at, LinkedIn being a powerful tool to help you. With you're that, not talking. You're not answering uh, the question. You're not answering the question. Sorry. Come on. You know, I, I know Jerry's not here to keep you kept you in line last time. Maybe I'm too soft. <laughs> I'm too soft on you, or maybe I'm going for bizarre questions because you were here already and and you uh, you asked all the straightforward ones. But I'm going to ask you a straightforward question now, related to the last one. How does what does your cold call for new business sound like? You make do you make cold calls for new business? You just sort of said you do, right? Yes. Yeah. In that other situation, the scenario there, you actually one cold call for new business lead, really leads to about four of them. Am I right? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. What do you say? Well, I mean, depending on which person we're talking to, if it's the person, the the client that I've worked with that's moved to another organization, that's a a very warm call. No, it's a a real cold call. It's a real cold call to someone, you know, either who just made a move to a new position or someone who's already in, you know, been in a position for a while. I, I don't care. Tell me, tell me somebody you never spoke to before. Somebody I never spoke to before, and if we're going back to the replacement of somebody I had a relationship with, I, I opened no, a conversation with. No, 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 with, no, no, no. You're complicating it. You've got no ties to this person. It is a cold call, not a semi-cold call. Okay, you haven't done business with this company before. You haven't done business with this person before. What do I say to that person? Yeah, what does Ultimately, your cold call sound like? It, it, they're, they're, my cold calls are actually developed and designed around leads that are generated from the market. So I'm not just calling companies that are posting jobs, but we have a very unique process where we know that they're using staffing firms. So my cold call goes something like this. Hi, Bob. Dave Lavoy calling with Resource Staffing Group. I understand you're looking for XYZ type of person. I understand you're working with this, this, and that firm. I want to talk to you about this. Give me a call when you get a chance. I'm very direct, very candid. I'm not salesy. Just give me a call, and I stay persistent from there. Um, ideally, I have product to send to the candidate, or the, the client, rather. I, I have a candidate that I can present to them and use that as a benchmark to play off of. But um, the, the types of calls we make based on our lead generation process internally is much warmer than your standard cold call just because you know a company is hiring because they posted a job on their website, etc. Uh-huh. Okay, and what if they don't call you call you back? What do you say? I just keep calling. I just How many keep times? Calling and calling. How many times? How many voicemails I mean, will you leave? I will. I'll leave 
five, ten voicemails followed by emails. I, I, I'm very persistent, so really, <laughs> I, uh, I think most people give up very quickly. But and I, they don't. I, I do yeah, not. But, no, the issue is, you know, like I remember once I was doing a job for uh, a client, and then, uh, uh, I was doing a split actually with somebody, and he said you got to make five calls to every candidate. This was for candidates, cold calls, and uh, usually I made three, so I made five, and everybody called me back after the fifth call if they hadn't called me till then but they weren't in a good mood. So if you're calling somebody 10 times, what do they like when they finally get back to you? They're, do they hate you for pestering them? Um, I, I use that line and say that I'm going to pester you until you call me back and tell me to screw off because I'm get, getting nothing from them now. So if I'm getting nothing from them in the end, it is what it is. Um, huh? But I have my one little my one little trick line, which is, I know I'm being persistent. I'm probably being a pain in your butt, but think of how persistent I'm going to be when I'm trying to find the candidate that you're looking to to fill this role with. It's it's a stupid little thing. I'll say stupid things like, hey, I brought a cot to the office with me today. I'm going to stay here until you call me back. Literally, I get callbacks because of stupid little things that I say. So I get creative in the fifth, sixth, seventh call, but I stay persistent. I stay directed. I try to not sound salesy. I love this. Don't you're not stupid. Those are good things. I have a friend who's like a a million dollar recruiter, and he told me, uh, you know, are they in the end? Are they really going to work? Want to work with somebody who's nice or someone who's uh, indicated that they're uh, ruthless <laughs> and and will do what has to will do what has to be done? And that's what you're essentially saying. I didn't understand in your initial message. Did you say say to them, "I'm not salesy"? That, or were you telling me that you're not salesy? Or did I'm you actually you tell them? I'm not. I, I come off as very direct and, and don't. Hey, hey, please give me a call back. Would love to talk to you about whatever, whatever. No, these are the facts. This is what I know. This is what I'm aware of. This is what I can do for you. Give me a call. I'd like to talk to you about this a little bit more. Okay. And the thing is, you're actually when you're making a cold call, you're saying in effect. I want to go head-to-head with the recruiters you're using already. Is that the case? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Uh-huh. So what if you get finally on the phone with one of these people, the hiring manager or whoever it is, and they say, look, we're already really happy with the people we're, we're, we're using, the recruiter you're using. What do you say? Well, I mean, it, it, there's no harm in, in giving another opportunity or another recruiter a shot. Um, you, you know, I mean, sometimes I'll even get into a situation where, sorry, it's already been filled, but I'll, I'll offer up, hey, let me let me show you what I could have produced for you. Give me a shot the next time. I mean, how can how can somebody not be interested in that? What do you mean? I'll show you what I could have produced for you. What does that mean? So if I call on a, a, a position or a call on a candidate for a, a developer, they get back to me. Well, I've already got a relationship that I'm very happy with. They, we just closed the role. You know what, Mr. Manager, Mrs. Manager, why don't you let me? Take take an opportunity to show you what I could have or would have produced for you, and free of charge, time spent now for ideally future business. I'm going to show them the product that we could have delivered, uh-huh. and um, it, it seems to be quite effective. Really, and they'll because they'll say, "Yeah, I'd like to see who you have." Yeah, I mean, show me what you could have and, had. And, and this, coming this, back, coming back to, to to this thing about hiring people, and you know sort of pushing them away at the same time as you're bringing them close. When you're hiring a recruiter, will you say to him or her, the candidate, will you say, look, I'm going to ask you to call this client, potential client, 10 times till they till they hate you, okay? I don't care about that. Are you willing to do that? Will you, you know, hit them with that right up front? Or do you insist Absolutely. that they call? 
Yeah, do you insist that they make as many calls as you would yourself, or if they're kind of shy, will you tolerate that? Uh, you, you know, I think leading by example is the key piece to that. I think proven examples will motivate that person to want to make those five, ten plus calls and not give up after two. Um, I mean, it's it's the, the experience and the 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 examples that I can share are the motivation. Um, if somebody's not comfortable with doing that, then, I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily somebody I would turn down for becoming a recruiter or, or joining our team, but I, I, I'm pretty good at motivating and, and showing through examples and explanation that this does work, so continue mm-hmm. trying try to do this. Do what I'm doing. Uh, anybody else want to comment on this? I find it really interesting. Uh, for instance, uh, Mike is a director of recruiting at a, at a corporation. What if somebody called you 10 times or would it never happen because you would return the call before then? Sorry, I was muted. Um, I had a guy that was calling me, um, must've left at least, at least 10 or 15 voice messages. And I just kept deleting them and deleting them. Um, and, and, you know, he didn't do anything, uh, slick. He, he just kept leaving his same voice message over and over again, and finally there was a, a need um, that that he he never changed his. This is what I do. So he wasn't trying to be a jack of all trades. And eventually, I just you know picked up the phone. I, I had his phone number nearly memorized. I knew you know where he was calling from and. Uh, finally picked it up, and we did a little bit of business together. Chris, that's um, interesting to me. So you didn't have this hate on for the guy, right? You didn't hate him. Oh, him again. Yeah, well, I had that, yeah, him again, because I didn't need him at the time. But it, it wasn't hate. I just delete the voice message because I know I don't have a need for what he's, you know, providing. Um, and, and, you know, in regards to calling candidates, you you stop calling when you realize that there's a there's a point of diminishing return. You know, it's it's there there isn't going to be in anything in it for you. Um so you just stop. But until that time, why not keep calling? Because maybe eventually they may have a bad day at work or start realizing that their opportunities are limited and there's no upward mobility or the commissions aren't coming through properly or something bad is happening and and they can see the writing on the wall. Okay, so, so you guys you guys are are of the school that salespeople can't play by the normal rules. There's things that you know the average person you know is going to do. What are the normal gonna, rules? I don't understand what the normal don't, don't rules bu- are. Don't pester don't pester people. That can't <laughs> that can't be a rule in this business. Yeah, pestering no. people <laughs> is the no. pestering people is the rule. Bugging them. Who cares? Do they hate me? I don't care. That can't no, be a but concern how do you, of mine. At, at the moment when you realize that you are pestering, and I don't think you know that you're pestering somebody until you actually get a negative response, but until that point, are, how are you certain that you're actually I pestering I an individual? If you call someone ten times, they don't like you. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my experience. I told you I had the experience calling candidates lots of times. And People I guarantee ask- you you will get nowhere if you don't ever actually make a connection. Uh-huh. Okay. Anybody else want to comment on that while we're talking about it? I think it's really an important issue. Oh, uh, you know what? You're getting I'll, a lot of love I'll, I'll on Twitter. I, I from a, from a, from a sales standpoint, you, you, yeah. you know, 
you know the hiring managers that we're calling are getting calls five, ten times a week, if not daily, by recruiters. Yeah. Most of them are giving up, but it is that it is it's all timing, right? So when that client does have a need, the guy that's been calling me forever for months and hasn't given up on me, I'm probably going to have a conversation with this guy when he calls at the right time. Um, and, and th- I mean that's the name of the game. It's all it's all a numbers game and pestering and, and letting them know. I know I'm being a, a pain in your ass right now. I just want to hear hear your voice. I want you to call me back. Um, huh. When that need arises, they pick up the phone. Boom! It's it's the, the timing works out. They're okay. gonna love here's, me. Here's the thing: when when I've talked to, I haven't had that many people on the show who actually take these kind of calls. But those who who have been on, who get calls from recruiters, they always say. Uh, you know, I ask them how they're different, or there's nothing in the way they present themselves that you know will differentiate you know one from another. If they go to the website, it's all the same marketing puffery. But you actually have a candidate in hand every time you make a cold call. That's what you're telling us. Is that true? I try. I try to have a candidate in product to how's show that possible? as often you have, as possible. How's that possible? Do you do you have such well, a a database you could just pull somebody out of the drawer whenever you whenever you need them without if doing a search. It's not somebody that's readily available. It's somebody that I've placed that I can get a testimonial from the client in in, in our process and our service and spin it that way. Okay, so that's a little different. So, but you've 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 got something special. Okay, if I how can I trust you? We've never worked before. Call this guy. He'll give me a reference. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Or take a look okay. at this candidate that's very similar okay, to the no, role no, that you're no, looking no. at the bill that we placed. You can't, you can't have a candidate handy for every job. Although, if you've got such a narrow niche that you're only working with one or two skills, then maybe you've always got somebody on hand. But that's not that's not the case. You're fairly diverse. Well, of, uh, if, if we don't have the candidate available right away, a, a previous placement, a, a proven placement that has been successful and has worked out for another client that's looking for the same thing. Okay, so you'll say, uh, I placed this person in this role at company XYZ. I've placed this person here and here, worked, I've been there for two years, happy. That's what you'll use as your selling point. Is that right? If I don't have a candidate available that day, correct. Yeah, okay. Okay, and uh, this is really important, and there's people on uh, people on Twitter saying uh, they love you for, for talking about this stuff. So is there anything else that you want to share in this regard? Um. No, I mean it's it's uh, you know KSS. Keep it simple, stupid. It's it's not rocket science. It just uh-huh. have, you have to appeal to your your demographic, and it can't be just generic sales calls and voicemails and emails. You got to have something more to the, bring to the table. And if it's a candidate you've placed in the past or a candidate you're representing actively, that that's so much more effective than hey, we do staffing. Give me a call back. Okay. But you work in a local market, Tampa, Tampa region. That's that's it. That's that geographic market is where only the only place you work. So, do you make a point of going out to meet people as well? Is that is that something you do? Yes, yes, definitely. definitely Why? Very relationship focused. Why? Why? Um, what well, is that? I mean, it's, you know, that goes back to selling to the the candidates that we're going to be recruiting for. I want to understand what their environment looks like. I want to kind of understand the culture, but you know, okay. you know what? You're using all the vague words. You're using all the hot words. You're making me mad, okay? What is a relationship? Uh, <laughs> what is the relationship with? First of all, yeah, what does a relationship mean, okay? I mean, and does it, you're doing business with this company or with these candidates. 
Do you know what you mean when you say I'm relationship-oriented? What does that mean? Well, to me, it's yeah. it's a consultative partnership in in that what are you trying to accomplish? I understand you have this position open. I understand you're trying to fill this, but, but how does this benefit you? Let me let me understand how it benefits you and the company, et cetera. Um, and I think you build instant credibility by trying to dig in deeper than just what candidate are you looking for, but how do they affect the team, how do they affect the company, how do they affect you personally as my hiring manager, as what my, kind of answers, my point what of kind contact? Of answers, what kind of answers do you get to those questions? Because I hear it all the time, but, you know, it's kind of like, how is this going to impact the company? Well, give me an, an example of what they say, or how is this going to impact you as the as the manager? What kind of answers do you, do you get to that question? Can you think of anything? You know, I mean, they're all over the board, but I, I will say that there are clients that have very strict deadlines in terms of projects that need to be completed. And, and if I don't have this person, this is what could happen to us. This is what like we're what? losing by like not what? having this person now. Uh, revenue. I mean, my, my, it usually comes down to money. I mean, that, that's usually what it boils down to. If we don't have this piece of this product built by this time, we're going to lose out on this potential market or, new, or group of clients or we're losing this revenue because we're lacking the capacity that so we, we have available. Your clients, your clients always know how much it's costing them to have a position vacant. Is that true? Not always, um, but when you really start digging in and helping them understand the business piece, then then you can you can start to get them to dig in a little bit deeper and start to think about these things and and you elicit some answers and how do and, you and help them understand the business uh, how do you help them understand the business piece i'm not i'm not clear about what you mean and if anyone thinks i'm asking a dumb question tell me i'd like to hear okay so so say say a development manager um it's got three or four developers on their team they they grew up in the company as a, a junior developer made it to management level understand the, the the core product of the company and what their what their goals are but they're being told that i need you to hire one two developers they may not necessarily understand the executive team may not necessarily have articulated well enough to them why these people are important why these resources are important so my business conversation with them mingled with the technical questions kind of helps them open up and, and opens their mind to the business piece that they may not be understanding. So that helps me better understand what the true motivation and what the sense of urgency might be. And it, it that in and of itself does certainly create a level of credibility versus your average recruiter that's just taking a job order and just, the manager just trying doesn't to... Know, the manager doesn't know why she has to hire people? Is that what you're in, saying? In, in many cases, they don't understand what the purpose of hiring or what the effect of the business is going to be by hiring these people. Does anybody want to comment on that? Is any? This is like a Durbin question. Is he still here? Do you want to talk about that? Maybe he's gone already. No. Nobody's going to – because I'm kind of surprised. 260. Anybody want to talk about that? Hiring managers who don't really know why they're hiring? No? Okay. Okay. Other so, than being uh, told that they're, they need to fill a headcount, I mean, that, it, and that happens so often, it drives me don't nuts. Don't sound like dumb hiring managers to me. Don't sound like dumb hiring managers to, to me. <laughs> okay. They, and sometimes they are, or ignorant. Okay. Not, maybe not dumb, but ignorant to how okay. it affects the business in many cases. Okay. 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 
Okay, let me see what other questions I have here. Anything that I haven't asked you about this stuff, about new business development, for instance? That Oh, yeah, we're on the relationship issues. Yeah, so the relationship is just a business relationship. You don't hug the guys after a meeting, do you? I won't hug them. I might have a beer with them. Oh, yeah? What do you say? You want to, Do you invite them to go for a beer or what? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you put that to them? Ask them if they want to grab a beer. <laughs> Very direct. After you've already had a meeting where they told you everything, you say, do you want to go out for a beer? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and they usually come? I'd say 80% of the time it's a yes, unless they and don't what drink do they or talk, What do they talk whatever. about when you're having a beer together? Well, in that, at that time, I, I try to get more personal. Um, you know, I try to, if it's off hours, if it's lunch, that, that's one thing I try to mix business and then a little personal. But if it's after hours, it's a beer. Let's let's not really necessarily talk business. Let's get to know each other. Um, th- that that definitely forges relationships like no other way. I mean, it, so it, relationship it means you want them to like you as a person. There's the business side of the relationship. You want to show them you know your stuff, and then you want them sure. to like you as a person. Why is that important? I think it's very important because I don't want people to think that I'm your average BS salesperson or, or car salesman. I, w- I want them to understand where I come from and what my background is and why I enjoy what I do. And it, you know, it, it's uh, it, it, you build that connection. You build that connection. No, no, I'm going to tell you. Here's what uh, you know. Uh, Jerry's not here, so he can't yell at me. But the point is, or me, you thank are. God. You are no, no. I thought he was pretty funny last time I listened to this morning, so I have to pat him on the back for that. Uh, although he took you to task over your metrics, uh, but uh, look, the, if you're asking somebody to go out for a beer and you know, want to cuddle up with them just because you want to do business with them, that is <laughs> that is very salesy. That is standard. You want them to kind of be attached to you uh, for non-business reasons. That's really it, right? Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, it, it, it is salesy, and I'm sure they understand that. But once we get that opportunity, and hey, and nobody's going to turn down a free beer if somebody else is paying for it. Really? But they do get that opportunity <laughs> to get to know me. Have you? Okay. Would you? <laughs> I don't know. I, you, you know, I've got. I guess uh, people tell me I've got a social anxiety. I, I, I don't know. What are we going, to, going for a beer with a stranger? It's, it's like, a, what are we going to talk about? I, like, well, I mean, I'm going to start asking about his kid. Why not? Why not? You look for pictures on their desk. You look for the sports teams they like. You start talking about those things after you talk about business, and then you throw. You know what? I'd love to have a beer with you sometime, man. This is this this sounds great. I think we could hang out. Anybody agree with them here that you know you want to you want to make them like you uh, as a person as opposed to just someone they want to do business with? No, and no one wants to comment. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I have a comment. Animal, I have a comment. Um, go ahead. It's not. It's Lee, not as much about. Lee, go ahead. Yeah, it's not as much about getting them to like you as it is about understanding who they are and giving them an understanding to understand who you are, both as a professional as well as an individual, so that you can establish a, a better connected relationship with that person, and uh, because. Um, well, certainly your 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 motives I and mean, your objectives are obviously to 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 make placements and make money, but in order for that to happen, you you really have to have a value uh, a, the kind of relationship with with them that creates value for both of you, and by 
spending time with them both inside and outside of the office, if they're well open to doing that, that's going to create the opportunity and the context to do both of those things and accomplish those things. Because ultimately what you want, as much as you might want to fill up any given position that you might be working on at that point in time or at that moment in time, you also want to cultivate uh, and establish uh, the contents for them to want to use you for future searches. And our, yeah, but and, you didn't, you know, Lee, Lee, you're not saying what what practical things come out of this beer together, okay? Aside from proving yourself professionally, those are all practical things. I just got through. I just got through stating all practical things. Um, if you want, if you want to have a business relationship with with any individual, you don't uh-huh. need to become their best friend. You don't need to be. You don't have to, to have dinner with them three times a week uh, and have them meet your family and all those other kinds of things. But uh, if you you want to have a, a relationship with them that is not that goes beyond just being a business, because you're in the business of creating value for them. And the way that you create that value for them is providing them with with people that that uh, that get the job done, that help create uh, the opportunities or solve the problems that they have internally within that organization that are going to have a, some a direct or indirect impact on bottom line profitability, whether it means increased revenues or cutting operating costs. Okay. Okay. And, okay. I, I can't and the only understand. way you can find out what that's about is by knowing who they are, what they are, giving them an opportunity to know who you are as well so that you can establish a line of communication that gives them the opportunity to to tell you what they're faced with on a day-to-day basis. You can understand what they're faced with, that you can create people that are going to help them solve those opportunities. Okay, so it sounds to me like more business information comes out in the course of the uh, chit-chat surrounding the beer. Let's Leave it at that. We're almost out of time. We're out of of time. (laughs) We're out of time. Lee, you got almost the last word. Let me see uh, Dave. Dave, you still with me? I'm still with you. Okay, I thought you hung up. Okay, so, yeah, the other, the last thing was culture. Culture, because you mentioned it, and I wanted to ask you how you determine the culture. Now, culture for me is the rules, spoken and unspoken, that a company runs by. The sort of the attitude to work or the approach to work and the approach with other people. So, you know, it might be that you dress formally, uh, you address people as Mr. and uh, Ms. or Mrs., uh, you don't use first names, or, you know, that every Friday you're sort of obligated to go out uh, to happy hour with people. Uh, That's the culture. That's what I mean by culture. Do you mean something else? No, I I think I I mean uh, uh, that is one piece. Um, I think... Culture and environment combined are, are very important. So the culture is, I agree with everything you just said, and that's what I mean by culture. But combining that with environment, I, I walk into a shop that might just be a, a wide-open floor plan, and, and, and maybe they're in queues with low walls or no walls, and they're kind of walking over each other's feet. Or the alternative, everybody has their own office and, and the communication might not be as direct in, in real time. Those are important pieces to a lot of candidates because you do have the, the, the candidates, the, the, the resources and the, the people that want to learn from those that are right next okay, to them real so time. Those are the things, let me just get, those are the things you see by visiting the office. This is the last question. I don't sure. have time for much more. What, do you, what questions do you ask to determine the culture? Or is it just what you see by going into the office? Uh, it, it's what I see, but I also do ask very candidly, how, how does the management team work with 
their producers? Are they open-minded? Is it their way or no way? And, and, and that comes up all the time. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, freedom to speak and contribute is a very important thing to many, many candidates. Many companies don't want that, and many do. So it's, it's that, those are the types of questions I ask specifically. Who's running the show? How open-minded are the, is the management staff? What contributions can my potential candidate make or not make with this opportunity? What do you mean? What contributions? This is the last question. What? Because sure. I only booked sixty minutes, which is not. There's no after show, so we're already just we're recording. But I don't <laughs> think anybody can hear us uh, who's listening on their computers. So when you say what contribution can they make, what does that mean exactly? Do you know what you're so, asking there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you two different examples. In, in fact, um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was out with a, a company, uh, a new client. And the, the, my point of contact was very direct in letting me know that the CEO did not get along with certain people because it was his way or no way. Um, and on the other hand, I have clients that want people to come in and contribute their thoughts as much as possible, really try to take ownership and, and appreciation for whatever product or, or the goals of the company are, and contribute their opinions and thoughts, but you, you do that. You definitely have both. I mean, it, some people will fit into one mold, and some people will not fit into the mold. Okay. And so it, for you, on the, for you, for you, culture, the communication element is the key question for you about culture. Really, nothing very else. Much that. So. You don't ask any other culture questions besides that, do you? Uh, Outside of what do you guys do for you know do you do company picnics or do you do that Friday happy hour? I mean those things are nice to know, but really this person is going to work 40 hours a week every single day for you. Are they going to feel like they are just being given tasks and they're being very administrative, or are they really a contributor? Which uh-huh. I and, think and you many ask you want. ask those. You ask those party questions as well. What do you do guys do socially together? You ask that question. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know what? We'll have to go into it next time you come. I was happy to have you back. I thought you were a great guest, okay? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Hey, it was well, a pleasure to be back. Thank you. Yeah,